invite you to open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. We have now been here at the end of chapter 6 for a number of weeks, and we continue to work our way through this uh, section of Paul's letter to the Ephesians that I've uh, seen as themed as the heavenly reality of the exalted Christ, as, as we're called to look uh, away from this world or away from the things that we can see, those battles that we have within our flesh or within the flesh of others or, or uh, that we see presented to us in the world, but that we would see that our battle is a heavenly battle or a spiritual battle, that we see that, that the heavenly reality within the context of Ephesians was hinted at in chapter 1 when Paul said that, that we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Where again he said that they were seated and us with them seated in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus. And again in chapter 4 we are encouraged to know that Christ had ascended or has ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all. And so as the exalted Christ he sits above every ruler, every authority, every principality, every power all the world forces of this darkness and guarantees to us the victory through his life, death, and resurrection. And that even more so that Christ has clothed us in himself so as to equip us for this age and further fit us for heaven. And so here we are at the end, end of this letter and he sets to show the Ephesians not what they need, but what they possess in Christ. And having set before them the armor of their Savior and encouraging them with the protection it is for them, he gives them the means by which it is made effectual for their benefits. That is, as the older writers put it, all prayer. Or, and also, uh, as it relates to all prayer, all prayer in the Spirit. Follow along, I'll read for us Ephesians, I'll just read Ephesians 6 through 10, and then verse 18. Hear the word of the Lord. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything, stand firm. With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let us go to him for help again this morning. Oh Lord, we come before you and we ask your help this morning in prayer and the confident hope and knowledge that our prayers come to you through Christ and in the spirit. And so we can ask of you that which you have promised to us and be assured that you provide it. We ask you, Lord, now that you would provide us a blessing of your word preached, 
that by it, Lord, our hearts would be conformed to your ways, that our hearts would be transformed by your spirit so that we would not just be hearers of your word, but doers also to give all glory, honor, and praise to you this morning. We ask these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So this morning, we have a little bit to cover, and yet we will only get through one verse again. But we address this idea of prayer, and uh, I was in some ways uh, trying to remind myself as well as lament to Deborah that I can't say everything there is to say about prayer this morning. No would I even say my skills are capable, nor my knowledge capable of doing so, even in a series of uh, sermons. But that I would be content to know that what the Lord has prepared for us this morning as it relates to prayer will be encouraging to us. And so this morning I want to, you to see that as armor-clad Christian soldiers, you are to run to your commander in prayer and seek his help. Not only in times of want, but at all times. For we are ever in need of his grace. And not just for our own needs, but also for the needs of our fellow pilgrims. So I want us to see this morning, as armor-clad Christian soldiers, you are to run to your commander in prayer and seek his help. Not only in times of want, but at all times. For we are ever in need of his grace, and not only just for our own needs, but also for the needs of our fellow pilgrims. The path we will take to get there this morning comes under three headings. Prayer related to the armor of God. Prayer acknowledges our place. And prayer as a means of grace. So as armor-clad Christian soldiers, we must see that prayer is related to every piece of the armor of God. For in verse 18, Paul uses this conjunction with, with all prayer and petition. Pray at all times. It can also be translated through, through all prayer and petition, pray at all times. Well, this idea of with or through comes by way of the overarching theme of standing firm, therefore, take up the full armor of God. And so we recognize that this idea of prayer is related to the armor of God, for it comes with it. And it comes with it because it's uh, related to every uh, piece of it. For if we look at uh, having girded your loins with truth, prayer is to be firmly rooted in propositional truth. We don't pray necessarily whatever we want, however we want. So in other words, we don't access God except through his propositional truth. We can, we can pray according uh, to our own individuality, as we are made in the image of God, but we can't pray according to any way we want. We don't approach God through shamans. We don't approach God through um, uh, ecstatic words. We approach God as he has given us his instruction in his word, so we approach God firmly rooted in propositional truth. 
then we see the breastplate of righteousness, that prayer is to be made in the knowledge of the righteousness of Christ. We dare not come to God in prayer apart from the knowledge of our righteousness in Christ. We dare not come to God like some of my children enter my room, like they're breaking it down and serving a warrant. They come barging in my room when the door is closed and they act like they own the place. But we dare not come into the throne room of grace in such a way. Though we come with boldness, we come in humility and knowledge of the righteousness of Christ. We come to prayer remembering the uh, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So, we come, so prayer is to be made in anticipation of receiving peace or in the knowledge of having received peace. We come to God with many prayers and many petitions to the Lord, but we should come to the Lord with the confident hope that we will receive peace. And we should also come with the knowledge that we have received peace, that God hears our prayer, and so, is, so we are not his enemy, and so there is peace found in God. And the shield of faith. Prayer is the exercise of faith and is made in the one whom shields us, in the one who shields us. Prayer is the exercise of faith as it's made in the one who shields us. We ask of those who we believe can supply our every need, that can answer our prayer. Hopefully, we don't go to God in prayer and say, well, I hope this works. I hope he's listening, for that would put God in the pantheon of the lower gods or of the, of the false gods, as in uh, um, uh, Elijah's day, where he, where he mocks them and says, maybe your God is sleeping. Maybe he's out relieving himself, and yet he will come back. We do not approach God in that way. We approach God in prayer as an exercise of faith, as it's made in the one who shields us. And the helmet of salvation, as we recognize that it, it, the helmet protects our minds and salvation doing so for us, that prayer protects our minds with the knowledge of the sufferings of Christ who gives us hope. And so we come to the Lord with our petitions and we often meet the Lord in prayer in our greatest needs. And we're suffering. But we must come to the Lord in knowledge that our suffering is not on account to pay for our sins. For that suffering has been consumed in Christ. And so our suffering must have a different purpose we will discuss later on, but we come in the knowledge of the sufferings of Christ, which gives us hope. And finally, we come to the Lord remembering the sword of the Spirit. Prayer is oftentimes to meditate on God's Word. Our prayer needs to be, a part of our prayer needs to be meditation on God's Word. So that the sword of the Spirit is effectual in our hands, we come to the Spirit in prayer, asking Him to do so with His Word. And so prayer is to meditate 
on God's word. So as we recognize prayer's place in making effectual the armor of God, we see how then Paul moves our attention to its proper clause, our proper cause in the spirit. So we have prayer as it's related to the armor of God. Then we see prayer in the spirit that acknowledges our place. So as armor-clad soldiers, we come to Christ in the Spirit. We pray in the Spirit. And there are two things that I, I think we acknowledge in this, is that we acknowledge God's place as our Creator, as well as our place in Christ. So we acknowledge first our place as creatures and God's place as creator, we don't come to God with a, uh, a list of demands as uh, we would dictate to him what he is to do for us so that maybe he would get something in return, maybe our more devoted worship or that he would get uh, some sort of changed attitude or that he would uh, receive something from us in our prayers. But our prayers must acknowledge our place as creatures and God's place as creator. It gives us confidence in the power of God. He which made us out of nothing is able to keep, preserve, and supply us when all things fail and in the midst of all dangers. Prayer must acknowledge our place as creatures for we come to the one who made everything out of nothing. And if that is true about God, then he is able to keep preserve and supply us when all things fail when everything fails god is able to keep preserve and supply us and not only that he's able to do so in the midst of all dangers consider peter's words in first peter 4 in verses 12 through 19 of chapter 4, the Spirit is comforting the church by showing that our suffering will be an occasion for rejoicing as it exposes our true faith and shows us united to Christ. He then concludes in verse 19, Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. We must remember that we have a creator which made us out of nothing and he can keep and preserve us and preserve our life when we have nothing. And so we come to God and we first acknowledge that our place is a creature in full dependence upon our creator. And this is not disconnected that we would Pray, acknowledging our place also in Christ. John 1, 12-13 says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. We must recognize our place our praying must acknowledge our place in Christ. That we come not just as 
general creatures or general um, as general creatures, but we come as adopted sons and daughters of God in Christ. Thomas Manton says, it is good to know God under this special relation of a father in Christ. And that is that which is the grace of adoption. Adoption is an act of free grace by which we that were aliens and strangers, servants to sin and Satan, are in and by Christ made sons and daughters of God and accordingly are so reckoned and treated with to all intents and purposes. In other words, we come to God and we recognize that we serve not all the enemies that we struggle against. We come to God and say, We're, we do not serve flesh and blood, but we, but we do not serve the rulers. We do not serve the powers. We do not serve the world forces of this darkness or any spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. But we serve our God through Christ. And so we come as adopted sons and daughters of God. It is, it is such, so, such a precious encouragement to us to know for even if our parents or our fathers in our earthly fathers did not show us uh, the grace and the love to invite us into their arms, that we have a heavenly father who, do, who does so. And he hears his children and cares for them. Ephesians 2.18 says that for through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Speaking of Christ, for through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Thomas Manton, again, was helpful for me this week for commenting on this verse. He says, we come to one God through Christ as the meritorious cause who has procured liberty for us and by the Spirit as the efficient cause. So we come to Christ as the one who has bought our freedom, the meritorious cause, and who has procured our, our liberty for us. And we come by the Spirit as the efficient cause. That's the one who gives us a heart to come. He is the one that empowers us to come. He's the efficient cause who gives us a heart to come and to the Father as the ultimate object of Christian worship. Christ procures us liberty to come. The Spirit gives us a heart to come so that by the Spirit, through Christ, we have access to God. And so as armor-clad soldiers, prayer in the Spirit holds together the armor as the Spirit works in prayer to draw us to God, not only as creatures, but as adopted sons and daughters. And we see as Paul exhorts the church at Ephesus to pray at all times with all perseverance for all the saints that this expresses the idea that prayer is to be an ordinary means of grace. For Paul says that with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. We would remember that Paul is uh, writing to the church at Ephesus. 
This isn't to discourage your private prayer. For it says that uh, the prayer of the Christian is the power of the Christian. So you should pray at all times, in all circumstances. Certainly you don't walk around in a, a posture, a physical posture of prayer, but in all things we consider our need of God. But especially as this is written to a church, a local church, that the local church is to be fitted through the means of prayer. That you should find at the beginning, in the middle, and at the end, and all throughout a worship service of the Lord, the means of grace, or the prayer as a means of grace. And it may be helpful to understand what it means, or what an ordinary means of grace is. Well, question 88 of the Shorter Catechism, Westminster Shorter Catechism, both identifies what an ordinary means of grace is and also what are the means given when it asks what are the outward means whereby Christ communicates to us the benefits of redemption. There, there is the definition of an ordinary means of grace. Outward means whereby Christ communicates to us the benefits of of redemption. And what are they? The answer is the outward and ordinary means whereby Christ communicates to us the benefits of redemption are his ordinances, especially the word, sacraments, and prayer, all which are made effectual to the elect for salvation. And so as we recognize that we are to pray for all saints, that, we are, that this word is first given to the local church, that we would recognize that we are to attend to it ordinarily, that it is not to be uh, added or excluded at our behest, at, at our preference, but it is to be always included in the worship of God. Why? How does prayer act as an outward means whereby Christ communicates to us the benefits of redemption? I'll limit my answer to three ways. Three ways. First, prayer works to sever our hearts from storing up earthly treasures as it makes us more aware, more aware of being strangers and aliens. We get to talk uh, to your immediate family. When you live in a home, you get to talk to your immediate family because they live with you. They stand and you talk to them face to face. We do the same here. We talk to each other face to face. We do not do so with God. Why? Because we have yet to experience the consummation of our salvation. We have yet to be transformed and translated into glory where we will see him for we will be like him as it says of, as we will see Christ, for we will be like him. But as of yet now, we have been given prayer as a deposit before that to draw our minds from these earthly treasures, from holding on to such things that we can grasp with our physical hands, so that we be made more aware of being strangers and aliens. And this is something that goes all the way back to the beginning of Scripture all the way back to when 
our first parents sinned is this idea that prayer is to make us aware of being strangers and aliens. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 3. I promise we will move quickly through this biblical theology of exile, essentially. We see and we know that that Adam sins in the garden, and so by sin, sinning, he not only disqualifies himself to be uh, the, the man of God, the son of God, but he also disqualifies himself from having the good things of God in the garden and ultimately attaining eternal life. And so in that, God curses them, both our serpent, both man and woman also, as well as the ground. And he says here uh, in verse 22 of Genesis 3, Then the Lord said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. And now he might stretch out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord sent him out of the garden of Eden to cultivate the ground from which he was taken. So he drove the man out And at the east of the garden of Eden, he stationed the cherubim and the flaming sword, which turned every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. Adam and Eve were exiled from the place of God's special existence. We recognize, and we don't have time to fully, I don't have time to fully extrapolate this, but the garden being the first temple. And so Adam and Eve are expelled from the first temple, the place of God's special existence. And this is acknowledged by the patriarchs as implied in Hebrews chapter 11, where we read that they, by faith, understood that they were strangers and aliens in the land. Why? Because they could remember, or by by what was given to them by special revelation, understand that they could not go and be in God's special presence or existence as Adam was in his uprightness. But that God would from then on be veiled to them. That they would be protected from God by cherubim and a flaming sword. And so they must hope for a better country, a better place where God's special existence exists everywhere. This was also represented by the Ark of the Covenant within the life of Israel. Throughout the Old Testament, God is referred to as the one who is enthroned above the cherubim. So we recognize that No one could just walk into the Holy of Holies, to the place where God's name dwelt, to where his his glory uh, dwelt above the cherubim. There again, we see the cherubim protecting or preventing full access to God's special presence. It was only once a year and after having offered sacrifices for himself, that he could then bring the sacrifice of the people into the Holy of Holies. And so we read with great joy that that veil was torn at Christ's death, 
resulting in us having access through, to the throne of grace. And yet access through prayer. Through prayer. It is a marvelous and a wondrous thing that we can have access to God through prayer, that we are encouraged to come with boldness to the throne room of grace. But we must recognize that our access is, is now yet to draw our hope away from this world and into the world to come, where God's special presence will consume all things. The Spirit works through prayer to bring about perseverance now as preparation for a greater country that is a heavenly one. And so we may pray like our Puritan forebears. I have a longing for the world above where multitudes sing the great song. For my soul was never created to love the dust of the earth. Though here my spiritual state is frail and poor, I shall go on singing Calvary's anthem. My soul was never created to love the dust of the earth. Prayer helps us remember such things. It becomes, it's a means to grace that, that as it communicates to us the benefits of Christ, we, we are communicated uh, in that way his glorious ascension, his glorious existence. It also works that way in, in prayer as we humbly submit our wills and wants to God's divine decree and purposes. The Spirit uses the limited knowledge and zeal of finite creatures and translates them to the infinite knowledge and power that works all things together for good. I would say that that communicates the benefits of Christ to us because Christ has access unhindered to the Father. There is no mediator there. Christ is our mediator. And so the Spirit translates our feeble knowledge, our earthly zeal, to the infinite knowledge and power that works all things together for good. We see this supremely in in the uh, Christ's earthly ministry as he prayed in the garden of Gethsemane, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And Charles Spurgeon, reflecting on this prayer of resignation, says, let it be as God's will, and God will determine for the best. Be content to leave your prayer in his hands, who knows when to give, and how to give, and what to give, and what to withhold. Consider our approach to God in humbly submitting our wills and wants to God's divine decree and purposes that we trust him who knows when to give and how to give and what to give and what to withhold. And so we resign our wills to God's awesome and perfect will. Finally, pr prayer reminds us that the difficult and trying circumstances that draw us to prayer will last no longer than needed to accomplish what the Lord has ordained it to accomplish. Ian DeGuid said, This doesn't mean you can't pray to be healed or for a job or for a spouse 
or for the salvation of a lost family member? Of course. But it does impact profoundly how you respond when God doesn't seem to answer your prayers. The problem isn't with your lack of faith or with God's lack of power. It is that God has chosen a different path of growth and sanctification for your life right now. It is a call to trust in weakness and in brokenness, in the God who is your strength and fullness. We recognize that we, as we come to the Lord with many trying and difficult circumstances, we often are met with what appears are we experience and it appears to be silence. And yet, God's silence is not deafening silence. God's silence is a loving hand of patience upon us where we wait upon the Lord to provide all good things, all his good things for us. We pray for many good things and, and we wonder why we do not have them or we may wonder why we do not have them. Yet the benefit of prayer is that as you offer it up to God, we recognize that the circumstance that you are praying to be relieved from will not last any longer than what has been ordained by God to accomplish his purpose in your lack. And that may lead to the very end. That may lead to your very translation to glory, but it will not have been wasted for it will have uh, continued to fit you for heavenly worship. For you give and you die to yourself to live to Christ in those moments. We trust that God has chosen a different path, a better path of growth and sanctification for us. So that in our weakness and brokenness, we find in God strength and fullness. Prayer is a means by that as it reminds us of these things. So as Paul has said that we are uh, with all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the spirit. And and with this in view, be on alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. So as armor clad Christian soldiers run to your commander in prayer, seek his help, not only in times of want, but in all times. For we are never, or we are ever in need of his grace. And not just for our own needs, but also for the needs of our fellow pilgrims. That we may experience the earth severing, spirit interceding, perseverance generating, power of communicating with the one God to the Father through the Son, in the Spirit, to whom all praise and honor and glory be now and forevermore. Amen. Let us exercise this means of grace now. Let us pray. O Lord, what a wonder it is that as we gather today in your name, marked by Christ, that we animated dust are heard 
by the creator of heaven and earth. The one who just exists in whom all being is held together. What wonder it is, Lord, that you not only hear our prayers, but that you answer them. Help us, Lord, for we struggle often to exercise our faith in prayer and so miss opportunities to experience this wonderful means whereby you communicate the benefits of Christ to us. What praise and honor is due to you for this wonderful gift. May we never see that measure up, filled up in our hearts, and so may it overflow continually in prayer and praise. We give you thanks and we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.